Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Uh, we have a terrific show for you today, including our guest, Bob Levy. He is the chairman emeritus of the Cato Institute. We'll be talking about uh, some key cases, and the Supreme Court will be taking a look at this session. Also, Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, will be joining us as well. It is March the 15th, and on this day in 44 B.C., Julius Caesar, dictator of Rome, was stabbed to death in the Roman Senate House by 60 conspirators. On March the 15th, the day later became infamous as the Ides of March. Caesar, born in the July family, an ancient but not particularly distinguished Roman aristocracy, aristocratic, I can't even say the word, aristocratic family, began his political career in 78 BC as a prosecutor for the anti-patrician popular party. He won influence in the party and for his reformist ideas and oratorical skills and aided Roman imperial efforts by raising a private army to combat the king of Pontus in 74 BC. He was an ally of Pompey and recognized uh, head of the popular party and essentially took over the position from Pompey uh, after pa- Pompey left Rome in 67 BC to become the commander of the Roman forces in the east. In 63 BC, Caesar, Caesar was elected Pontifex uh, Maximus, or high priest, allegedly by he- uh, heavy bribes. <clears throat> Two years later, he was governor of further Spain, and in 60 BC, returned to Rome, ambitious for his role of consul. The consulship, essentially the highest office in the Roman Republic, was shared by two politicians on an annual basis. Consuls commanded the army, presided over the Senate, and executed its decrees, and represented the state in foreign affairs. Caesar formed a political alliance, the so-called First Triumvirate, with Pompey and Marcus uh, Crassus the wealthiest man in Rome, and in 59, B.C. was elected consul. Uh, Although generally opposed by the majority of the Roman Senate, Caesar's land reforms won in popularity with many Romans. In 58 B.C., Caesar was given four Roman legions in uh, Gaul and uh, Illyricum, and uh, during the next decade demonstrated brilliant military talents as he expanded the Roman Empire and his reputation. Among other achievements, Caesar conquered all of Gaul, made the first Roman inroads into Britain, and won devoted supporters in his legions. However, his successes also aroused Pompey's jealousy, leading to the collapse of their political alliance in 53 B.C., the Roman Senate supported uh, Pompey and asked Caesar to give up his army, which he refused to do. In January 49 B.C., Caesar led his legions across the Rubicon River from uh, Gaul to Italy, uh, there thus declaring war against Pompey and his forces. Caesar made early gains in the subsequent civil war in defeating Pompey's army in Italy and Spain, but was later forced into retreat in Greece in uh, August 48 B.C. when Pompey in pursuit. Caesar paused near uh, uh, Pharsalus, setting up camp as a strategic location. When Pompey's senatorial forces uh, fell upon Caesar's smaller army, they were entirely routed, and uh, Pompey fled to Egypt where he was assassinated by an officer of the Egyptian king. 
Caesar was subsequently appointed Roman consul and uh, dictator, but before settling in Rome, he traveled around the empire for several years and consolidated his rule. In 45 BC, he returned to Rome and was made dictator for life. As sole Roman ruler, uh, Caesar launched ambitious programs of reform within the empire. The most lasting of these was the establishment of the Julian calendar, which was, uh, with the exception of a slight modification or adjustment in the 16th century, remains in use today. He also planned new imperial expansions in Central Europe and to the east. In the midst of these uh, vast designs, he was assassinated on March the 15th, 44 B.C., by, again, a group of conspirators who believed his death would lead to the restoration of the Roman Republic. However, the result of the Ides of March was to plunge Rome into a, f a fresh round of civil wars, out of which Octavian, Caesar's grand nephew, would emerge as Augustus, the first Roman emperor destroying the rep Republic forever. <clears throat> How many lessons are there in this story? It's just unbelievable. First of all, it can't happen. Well, sure, it can happen. Sixty senators uh, conspired to, to uh, kill Caesar. And then, uh, of course, when the best laid plans of mice and men, let's get her to Caesar and bring back the Republic, and uh, the worst happens. <laughs> it's unbelievable. The lessons of history. Well, Moody's Investor Service cut its outlook for the U.S. banking system to negative from stable and placed six U.S. banks on review for potential credit rating downgrades. We've changed to negative from stable our outlook on the U.S. banking system to reflect the rapid deterioration in our operating environment following deposit runs at Silicon Valley Bank and Silvergate Bank and Signature Bank and the failures of SVP and SNY, Moody said in a report. Uh, the ratings agency warned that there's still a risk of bank runs and U.S. banks with substantial unrealized losses. Banks with sub substantial unrealized securities losses and with uh, non-retail and uninsured U.S. depositors may still be more sensitive to depositor uh, competition or ultimate flight with adverse effects on uh, funding, liquidity, earnings, and capital, Moody said. That simply means they're concerned about more runs in the bank when people want to take their money out. Even banks that do not experience runs are likely to face rising funding costs, cutting its profitability, Moody said. We expect pressure to persist and to be exacerbated by ongoing monetary policy tightening with interest rates likely to remain higher for longer until inflation returns to within the Fed's target range, the, the report said. U.S. banks also now are facing sharply rising deposit costs after years of low funding costs, which will reduce earnings at banks, particularly those with a greater proportion of fixed-rate assets. Moody's also warned it was uh, reviewing the fate rates of First Republic Bank, Zions, Western Alliance, Comerica, UMB Financial, and Intrust Financial. It says it has cut the rating on Signature Bank, which was seized by uh, bank regulators over the weekend, to junk. Despite the downgrade of the sector, Moody says... <laughs> the, the U.S. banking system is well capitalized and has ample liquidity, generally in preparing to withstand the economic downturn. The company expects the economy to fall in a recession later this year. So all this, here's the thing. The problem is that right now the uh, value of fixed investments is falling because interest rates are going up. And uh, that where do uh, banks, of course, keep their money? They keep them in treasuries and other, quote-unquote, safe investments, well, now that are down in value. Uh, then now the FDIC is saying, well, we're going to make everything, or the Fed's going to make everything uh, 
par value. So you don't have to write down the value investments because of their true value. <clears throat> but that's not going to help if people want their money and they have to sell these investments at a loss. So the Fed's in a real pickle. What are they going to do? I mean, they're going to have to continue to increase in interest rates if they want to fight inflation, or they're going to have to lower or stop raising interest rates if they want to keep the uh, financial system solvent. They're in a pickle. We're in a pickle, and it's a, it's a real problem. Warnings have emerged of a wider bank's banking collapse on the backs of the failure of the Silicon Valley Bank with a financial expert who predicted in 2008 financial crisis warning that Credit Suisse may be the next to fall after the Swiss bank's uh, shares fell to an all-time low on Tuesday. Switzerland's second largest bank, Credit Suisse, uh, saw its shares fall by 5% in early trading on Tuesday to a record low for the company after confirming some $8 billion in losses in uh, 2022 and admitting that there was material weakness in its accounting system for financial reports. Credit Suisse CEO Ulrich Korner said the troubles facing the bank were unrelated to the collapse of the failed Silicon Valley Bank, telling Bloomberg that SVP credit exposure is not material and adding, it's a very different situation. We're following materially different and higher standards when it comes to capital funding, liquidity, and so on. However, there are growing concerns that the Swiss banking could become the second shoe to drop in the potential wider banking collapse. In comments provided by uh, Breitbart, London... Irish microeconomist Philip Pilkington said it looks, looks increasingly like a possible general meltdown of banks. Losses on bonds and mortgage bank securities are huge. Credit Suisse may be the amongst the weaker members of the pack. So we still have this, uh, <laughs> nothing here, nothing to see here. People are saying that, of course, the, uh, the Fed and uh, the, the regulators. But there is something to see. They're, the banks are, we're in a precarious situation right now, very precarious because where can the banks put their money? They can't. I mean, there's no place to go. The Consumer Price Index, a key measure of inflation, rose 0.4% in February by up 6% from February 2022. That according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. An economist connected to the persistent inflation and the crisis surrounding Silicon Valley Bank to Biden's administrative policies. Over the past week, we've had witnessed more fallout from the federal government spending, borrowing, and printing trillions of excess dollars than over the previous several years. Not only did artificially low interest rates stoke inflation, but they also have facilitated a potential banking crisis. El Antonio, a research fellow for the Regional Economics and the Center of Data Analysis at the Heritage Foundation, said in a statement. So there you have it. I mean, the fact of the matter is Biden spent all this money. And what's the consequence? It's inflation. Uh, raising interest rates, that's by the Fed, and of course now the failures of banks. It's a string of events, totally predictable and very unfortunate. And uh, the consequence is, of course, the citizens of the United States are the ones that are going to suffer because of this stupidity. <clears throat> Governor Ron DeSantis' administration is revoking the Hyatt Regency Miami's alcohol license for hosting a sexually explicit show with children present, according to the governor's office. A drag queen Christmas performed December 27th at the James L. Knight Center, which is reportedly connected to the Hyatt Regency Miami. The administrative complaint said minors younger than 16 years of age were there at the show with performers appeared on stage wearing sexually suggestive clothing and prosthetic female genitalia. Uh, the show allowed minors, if they were accompanied by an adult, 
On December the 27th, the Florida Department of Business and Professional Regulation warned the Hyatt Regency Miami against hosting a sexually explicit show with children present. According to the department, the venue proceeded with their plans and conducted the investigation, which determined that the venue violated Florida statutes. The department is revoking the value, uh, the venue's license for sale and consumption of alcoholic beverages. Uh, sexually explicit content is not appropriate to display to children, and doing so violates Florida law, that according to Governor DeSantis. The reason I'm raising the story, of course, this is a big deal for the Hyatt because they're lo- losing their liquor license. That's a big deal for a hotel. But in addition to that, this is the governor's office standing firm against law. You break the law, you're going to suffer the consequences. So uh, the Hyatt broke the law, and they're paying the consequences. Let that be a lesson to other hotels and anybody else who wants to violate laws here in the state of Florida. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date. By reading Life in Naples, the website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Bob Levy. He is the chairman emeritus of the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. 
Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by internationalhealthplans.com. If you're planning on traveling abroad, most health insurance plans don't cover international travel, and you won't be able to travel with confidence and know you're going to have coverage. So you need to visit internationalhealthplans.com, internationalhealthplans.com. Coming up, I'm going to visit with Andrew Joppa. Right now we have with us Bob Levy, as I mentioned before the break. He is the chairman emeritus of the Cato Institute. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Good to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C., and devoted to private property, free markets, securing individual rights, and limited government, cato.org on the web. Cato.org. Thank you for that, Bob. So for the last couple of uh, sessions on Wednesday morning, we've been talking about the key cases that are being reviewed by the Supreme Court uh, this session now, the Biden administration wants to cancel student loans, and that's being discussed by the Supreme Court right now. Will the court intervene? Well, the case is Biden v. Nebraska, and it challenges this executive order by Biden April of 2022 that partially canceled repayment obligations on about 92% of all the student loans. Mm. Debts up to $10,000 uh, would be canceled if you earned up to 125000 a year, or if your family earned 250000 per year. And by the way, that excluded only the top 5% of households. So we're talking about 95% of all the households. And if you're a less affluent borrower who qualified for a Pell Grant, you could rescind even more of the loan, up to $20,000 cancellation. So is a good, uh, the court going to intervene, do you think? Well, they, they're hearing the case, and it all is going to hinge on a standing question. What's, what's the, what will be the cost of this if, at the end of this? Estimates vary from 300 to $500 million, uh, billion. Uh, the people that will be helped are students, but including a lot of high-income students who borrow more frequently than low-income students and in larger dollar amounts and often to attend graduate school. The people that are going to be harmed are the folks that didn't, didn't go to college. That's two-thirds of all the taxpayers. Mm-hmm. And those people who didn't go to college, they earn about a million and a quarter less on average over their lifetime than the folks that received a bachelor's degree. The real impact is simply going to be higher tuitions. They'll go up, inflation-adjusted tuitions and fees and room and board at public colleges increased about 118% over the past 30 years. So plainly, it's the colleges that are benefited from these student loan programs, not just the debtors. It's always the third parties that get <laughs> yeah, hammered in this stuff. Exactly it kind of, right. to me, it strikes me ironic that <clears throat> that uh, the people that benefited the least in terms of their incomes. Uh, from their education are actually getting helped by, by this program because they're the lower earners. So does Biden have the authority to bypass Congress in this way? He, of course, he says he does under the 2003 HEROES Act. Now, that act says that the Department of Education can, the term is waive or modify student loans, again, in connection with a national emergency mm-hmm. and only for borrowers who are affected 
by the emergency. So that language suggests three legal challenges. The first is, does the term waive or modify allow for an outright cancellation of the loan? The second challenge, does COVID now qualify as a national emergency? And note that President Biden has recently said that it does not, that it's over. Mm -hmm. And third, were 90 plus percent of all these student borrowers affected by COVID? Remember, last year, the court affirmed what's called the major question doctrine. And it states that Congress cannot delegate sweeping authority to these executive departments like the Department of Education unless Congress issues a clear statement to that effect in a statute. And the HEROES Act surely does not qualify as a clear statement. So this sounds like a slam dunk to me. Why are the Supremes involved? Well, as I mentioned, they're one big hurdle uh, for those of us who would like to see this ridiculous program uh, die. And that is who has standing to file this lawsuit. Mm -hmm. Standing requires, first, that the plaintiff has to be uniquely harmed by the challenged program. And by uniquely, <clears throat> you can't just say you object to the, as a taxpayer to the use of your money because that harm is the same as everybody else suffers. So your harm has to be unique. And second, that blocking the program would fix the problem. So the appellate court in this case said that one of the six states that sued, namely Missouri, had standing because Missouri has a state agency that services these loans and gets paid for doing so. Mm -hmm. And that agency would no longer collect fees on the loans that it serviced. The sticking point is this. The agency itself is independent, and it declined to file suit. So it's Missouri that's filing on behalf of the agency. The court is going to have to resolve whether Missouri can file huh. on behalf of the agency and why it is that the agency <clears throat> would not file the suit uh, directly. If the Supreme Court gets past this standing question, I have no doubt that the justices will conclude that Biden exceeded his statutory authority. Well, Meanwhile... These cancellations are on hold, but there's still a moratorium on any repayments. That's the current status. All this right. program is, I think, by any assessment, ridiculous and ought to be terminated as far beyond Biden's executive authority. The standing question, however, looms large. So let's talk a little bit about standing here, Bob, because I, I, you know, I'm no lawyer, and in my ignorance, I'm sitting here wondering... Why can't Congress uh, have standing and simply say, hey, you're on our turf. We're the ones that make decisions about the, the purse here in the United States. Why don't they have standing? Well, the Supreme Court's addressed that issue and for the most part has said, look, that's a political question. If you don't like what Congress has done and how Congress has interacted with the courts, uh, there's always the ballot box. So uh, the court has not acknowledged that Congress has standing simply because an agency has tramped on Congress's turf. Uh, I think that's wrong, and I think it ought to be revised, but that's the current state of the law. 
So interesting. Well, and another thing, why don't, for example, I have standing, I'm a taxpayer. We end up, uh, the taxpayers end up uh, holding the bag on this. Why can't uh, simply taxpayers or a consortium of taxpayers uh, sue uh, and uh, have standing in court? Yeah, I think there the, the rationale is that the courts are f- afraid that that would open the floodgates and we'd have so much litigation that it wouldn't be manageable. Um, because <clears throat> just about every uh, situation is going to offend some taxpayer, uh-huh. no matter what the issue is. And so the court has held that these injuries, these harms that are suffered, have to be unique and particularized, have to be different in nature than the injuries suffered by the large majority of other people. Hmm, sounds somewhat practical <laughs> in terms of enforcing the law, but it is what it is, Bob. There's uh, a great deal of pressure now to change the standing doctrine, and I would be uh, very pleased to see the standing doctrine re- relaxed. Uh, the federal courts are very, very tough on standing, I think too tough, and it prevents some people from litigating when in fact they ought to have their day in court. Really appreciate that clarification. Again, Bob Levy, Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. The website is cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. Bob, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. Good to be with you. Thank you very much, Bob. All right, coming up, Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. 
Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. You can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Andy. So uh, we usually start our interviews with good news. And uh, just a little background for our listeners' benefit. Uh, Andy and I have decided that I tend to be more optimistic and see the world through rose-colored glasses. Andy seems to kind of end up on the pessimistic side of the, of the equation. So now we're going to talk about good news. I, I would uh, regard it as wise pessimism leading to constructive solutions. Bob. That's how I would see it. <laughs> But we each have our own point of view on that. But there's some good news today. It's not dramatic, but I think it's worth mentioning. In a recent poll in Nevada, <clears throat> excuse me, both Trump and DeSantis polled considerably ahead of Joe Biden for the presidential race in 2024. Um, I think that's a, a good sign. Nevada has been going Democrat, so I think um, uh, that may be a, uh, uh, something that we can see as a trend. I'd like to see it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm optimistic that it will be that way. Notice the word optimism in there, Bob. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would also like to mention somewhat in keeping with this uh, Mike Pence. I, I don't think the man can be ignored. Some of his comments uh, have just been, uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, absolutely outrageous. Uh, he has described Donald Trump as a mortal danger. He said Trump incited the mobs to attack the Capitol and endangered his life and caused the death of others by, by, by inference. Uh, I, I'm not quite sure where Mike Pence, a religious uh, person, is, is finding his morality, but uh, some of his comments seem to be far outside the, uh, the realm of reality, and I, I just I find it uh, unacceptable, I, I guess, if we look at his other comments that uh, Trump wanted him to uh, uh, reverse the, the election results. He, but Trump never wanted him to reverse anything. No. What he wanted him to do simply was, uh, within his power, to send, the, uh, to send the electoral vote back to the state legislatures where it should have been certified to start with. That, that is what he wanted. He wasn't saying, I want you to reverse it. Just get the votes certified where they should have been in the state legislatures. So in the meantime, we have the Biden family getting $3 million from China uh, immediately after leaving the vice presidency uh, for unknown reasons. Undefined $3 million going to the Trump family uh, while we right now are watching Trump uh, perhaps facing indictment uh, for the Stormy Daniels silencing money. So uh, the the absurdity of all this just can't be ignored, Bob. No, it can't. And I, I still hold Pence responsible. I mean, he had the, the reason why they ask in, in the Constitution they want the vice president to uh, adjudicate the process of uh, counting the votes. Uh, anybody could do that. You could have the uh, sergeant at arms do it. But uh, they chose the vice president because he has the power and authority to make those types of decisions that you just mentioned. He didn't. He just chose a ministerial type of role to, to play. That's one vote, one <laughs> just counting the votes. Which is just totally absurd. Well, Pence would like to create the imagery uh, in, in opposition to what you just said, that he was just rubber stamping what came, what came to him. And that certainly, as you're indicating, was not the case. He had the, the uh, obligation right. uh, to assess the quality of those electoral votes. Yes. And he, he should have done it. He, not only could he have done it, Bob, but he should have done it. That's right. 
That's exactly right. And uh, he let us down. He let uh, the, the voters, he, he let the American people down. And I'm, I'm not saying that it, the result would have been overturning the election. I'm simply saying they should follow the law. And the law required the state legislatures to approve uh, the votes. And in, in, in four cases that I'm aware of, that uh, the state legislatures didn't even follow their own laws, which, of course, the Constitution requires that they do. Absolutely correct, Bob. And there's, <clears throat> I've never seen Donald Trump advocate for anything that was illegal, right. uh, anything that was unconstitutional. I, I, I'm, I'm sure somebody could come up with an example of that, but I cannot. Uh, so I think this is another uh, circumstance where uh, Trump is being mislabeled in this circumstance, and I think uh, Mike Pence has contributed to it. I, I could probably, and I made the case at the time in 2020, that Trump should have shifted his vice president from from Mike Pence to somebody more uh, more uh, committed uh, to the MAGA ideas, and I don't think uh, Pence was that person. But. No, he certainly was. By the way, this is the anniversary of uh, in 44 B.C., the Ides of March, when Caesar was assassinated, uh, a conspirator, uh, conspiratorial effort by four, uh, 60 senators at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand you were there, Bob. No, well, the, that, the reason I bring this up is because this is this is kind of this. In my mind, this is how uh, people in power view Trump. They don't want him around. Well, I mean that that's quite obvious, and it's not just a, uh, a Democrat or a leftist thing. Right. Certainly, there's a, a tremendous level of uh, even even the right media, Fox to a certain extent, right. uh, certainly is not supporting Trump. They may not be directly attacking him, but they're not supporting him. And too many rhinos are going after him. Here is the the man, in my estimation, and I think it can be documented, accomplished more in four years of a presidency than any other president in our history. Right. Uh, perhaps uh, let, let's put uh, George Washington. In, abey in abeyance for that. But, you know, I think we have a very successful president, a man committed to this country, and yet this is the one person that these people uh, cannot tolerate, primarily because he disrupts the, uh, their, their elitist politics and gets in the way of every uh, uh, scheme that they've, they've conjured up to, uh, to uh, take over America, let's call it, Bob. So, uh, before we move into the events of the day, uh, any other good news for us? Just one quick thing before you move into your, uh, your, your commercial, but um, I watched the um, Academy Awards the other night. I, I don't normally watch them, but I did. Got about halfway through, and I was, I guess I would say, pleasantly pleased that there was a minimal level of politicization of the Academy Awards. Huh. Now, that may not sound significant, but at this point in America's life, uh, anytime I can see what seems to be a crack in the facade, and that, I think I saw that at the Academy Awards, where even Jimmy Kimmel, in his opening uh, comedy monologue, uh, did not go political. And I think that indicates uh, a pressure that's developing in the system uh, to move away from this kind of, of public persona, Bob. So interesting. I, you know, I didn't watch it. I didn't want to watch it. You missed nothing, Bob. <laughs> I, I just have no interest. In it. I think of what they've done to their own brand as a consequence of all politicizing the stuff that they've done over the years. Uh, I'm, but I think what you're telling us is good news. Hopefully they've learned their lesson. I, I think it may be. And let, let's see if it goes any place from there. But. All right. Andy, going to take a little break now. Can uh, you stick around? Uh, all right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network.
Finish what you started with a Hodge University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Times they're changing and trends in funeral services are no exception. The traditional somber formal affair marking one's passing is transitioning into a celebratory event where family and friends can gather in more casually in a relaxed setting that incorporates the comforts of home. Each of issues unique. We're all made up of little details that makes us different and irreplaceable. At Hodges Funeral Home at Naples Memorial Gardens, there are many details that set them apart, differences you'll find nowhere else. Hodges Funeral Home at Memorial Gardens offers flexible chapel and event space, a modern funeral home, a celebration of life center, cremation options, and a 100% service guarantee. Call Hodges Funeral Home at Naples Memorial Gardens at 239-597-3101. That's 239-597-3101. Or visit the website dignitymemorial.com. That's www.dignitymemorial.com. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, again, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be here on the Ides of March, Bob. On the Ides of March. So, Andy, what else is important to you right now about what's happening in the news? Well, it's another one of these stories where I held my breath for just a moment when I I heard that a Russian jet had, uh, I'm going to describe it as, intercepted an American drone in the Black Sea uh, and, in fact, uh, knocked that damaged one of its propellers, which uh, forced it to be brought down. Uh, So every time an event like this occurs, it it, uh, it can be a spark that leads to something more dramatic. Right. It's another one of these circumstances, Bob, where uh, Russia has consistently um, warned against these fights 
that are close to the Crimean Peninsula, and, and yet we seem to want to continuously prick the bear and 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 uh, do these things uh, to provoke. And I certainly uh, a case can be made that that might be a. a a justified reason. But on the other hand, I think these are very dangerous things to, to have happening. Uh, in regards to that, I've been doing some more research on the issue of the Ukraine uh, conflict war itself. And as best I can determine, and again, these are things that are very hard to get out of the American media, but some of the worldwide media shows that the, the war right now is decisively turning against Ukraine decisively. Hmm. And yet, if you read the American media, of course, Western media in general, yeah, it will sound like uh, like Ukraine is on the cusp of victory. Uh, that is the best I can extract from what I've been reading from the international press, Bob. So uh, if that is the case, then I think it's going to leave uh, Biden, uh, the, this country, and NATO looking, looking like fools because of the commitments they've made and the statements they've made about how this war is progressing. Again, I don't have an absolute confirmation of what I just said, but by everything I've read, that seems to be the case. Well, that's what I've been hearing as well. What do you think of DeSantis' comments about the, uh, the war? Are you talking about the ones he sent back to, to Tucker? And, well, he's, he basically said, that, you know, that we really don't belong over there. It's a territorial thing. It uh, doesn't involve us. It's not, it should not be one of our priorities. And he's, I'm talking about the Russian-Ukraine yeah, I mean, conflict. How can, I, how can I argue with that? It's just, uh, it's just logical on the face of it, Bob. Exactly. Uh, the, the, this commitment to Ukraine is so unnatural in its intensity and its uh, a non-purpose, let's call it, that uh, it's hard to understand not only the financial commitment, which is undocumented in terms of where that, that money is going at this point, right. but just the willingness to, uh, to immerse ourselves in this, this conflict. Uh, and if we do wind up sending F-16s, uh, which I don't know if that's uh, even moving along in the, in the planning stage, but if we send the F-16s over, uh, Russia certainly is not going to react well. Now, what that means in terms of action taken, uh, it's, it's very hard to say. But if we gave Ukraine long-range missiles and F-16s, that to me is a statement that this country is advocating an attack on the Russian motherland. Absolutely, Andy. I mean, it's, a lot of this stuff is so scary. The, the uh, Russian aircraft that dumped fuel on this, uh, this drone... I mean that it was uh, it's been characterized as an accident. Well, it's no accident. They they, they attacked this thing, and uh, it it's kind of and what I think about. I, and I wonder, would that have happened under Trump? I don't think any of this would have happened under Trump. Right. I think it would have been resolved in a uh, in a in a peaceful manner. I I don't think the invasion would have taken place. I think the Donbas region would have been given independence. Crimea would. Uh, uh, controlled by Russia would have been guaranteed. NATO would have been pre precluded from expanding into, uh, into uh, Ukraine. Ukraine would have been given uh, a lot of financial inducements for the building of their infrastructure and so forth. I think there were a lot of things that could have been done that would have been uh, an, an inducement for, for Ukraine to, to settle in the, the model that I've, I've described, uh, and it would have uh, eliminated the thousands and thousands of deaths, both Ukrainian and Russian, that are taking place. I'm amazed that so few people have any concern with the amount of human carnage going on in Ukraine at this point. Hey, me too, uh, as well. Hey, by the way, I'll get your th uh, thoughts too on the uh, banks and the, the bailouts and the things that are going on at SVP Bank and uh, uh, the comments by Moody's and uh, the downgrade of uh, the banking system. What are your thoughts? 
Well, I, I, it's very hard to get a full grasp on it. The three banks that have that have failed, uh, significant uh, uh, statements. It seems to be bad risk driven by uh, by woke investment policies. Uh, I just was uh, hearing this morning that uh, Credit Suisse uh, had twenty a twenty four percent share slip uh, yesterday in the market. Yeah. Now, just as a as an aside, I have spent two years consulting inside Credit Suisse uh, to train all of their their Swiss-based managers in more the American way of business and the American culture. So I have sort of a tie to, to Credit Suisse. To see Credit Suisse uh, in trouble is, is very problematic for me. Uh, if we look at what is being suggested here with the president offering uh, almost a full bailout to any bank that fails at this point, uh, whether that's constitutional or not, we could debate. But that full bailout is going to allow what they estimate to be 115 to 120 additional banks who are on the cusp of failure to do so without any fear of of, of problems developing. Uh, so this is what is, this is what I think Biden is setting up with this unlimited bailout procedure. Now another rumor, and I'll, I always cite rumors as rumors. Another rumor is that the, there'll be a uh, a payback from the banking system because of these bailouts to move us towards a digital currency. Uh. I have no idea whether that's true. I read that in two different sources, that the payout in 2008 for the, for the bailouts was moving towards DEI, move, moving towards the, the woke culture. What, I, what I'm hearing suggested is that the payout now will be the bank's involvement with moving towards a digital currency. God help us. That, that was just such bad news. I certainly hope that doesn't happen. That would be uh, that you may, it, it would be just like the uh, communist Chinese social rating system, and uh, we would all become subjects of a I'll, I'll call it a police state. Well, there, there's far too much talk about it to to not pay attention to it at this point. Uh, you know what used to be impossible. I used to feel very comfortable maybe five, ten years ago saying something was impossible. I no longer use the word impossible. But. Yeah, it's true. Well. Uh, in my mind, I mean, uh, if you say to people you you, you have no, uh, this is a moral hazard. In other words, you're saying if you lose money, well, we're going to make you whole on that. So uh, who's managing risk here? Nobody has to manage risk. You can uh, end up uh, failing, running a bad business, and end up made made whole. Well, I, I heard that the uh, risk manager for SVB uh, hadn't been in position for the past year. So here's a bank taking incredible risks that were uh, definably, even for, for an amateur finance person, these were definable risky investments, uh, and they had no risk manager in place during that, during that entire period, Bob. So uh, it's, it's, it's hard to say what happened to provoke this other than a woke, woke investment policy. Well, there's one other thing, too, and of course that's a period of time where we see not only stocks going down in value, but bonds as well, and the consequence is now there's no safe place for investors and there's no safe place for risk management in uh, in banks. Uh, if we end up uh, fighting inflation we have, we have increasing in, uh, interest rates that drives down the value of fixed investments. Now the FDIC says we're going to just, uh, uh, or the uh, Fed is saying that we'll just put everything on the books as at par. So it's not the true value. We'll put it at par. That doesn't solve the problem because if, if people want their money out of the bank, they have to sell these investments at a major loss. And what happens? The bank fails. Yeah. 
you know, it's, it's amazing. I mean, the, the average American does not want to stay deeply immersed in the understanding of these manipulations and these, these directions. Uh, and yet, at this point, I think that they, uh, they probably have to for their IRAs, their, uh, their cash, their money in the banks. And I think there has to be a, a, an investment of time uh, to try to figure out what is in, what is in every individual's best interest. Yeah. Uh, it no longer can be left in the hands in the system itself. Bob. And certainly not by uh, politicians. By the way, as we're speaking right now, the market's going to get creamed today that Dow uh, uh, futures, futures are down about down. 500 so <laughs> it's uh there are kind of going to be consequences and repercussions from everything that's going on uh, we need to take just a little break again uh andy can you stick around yeah i've got a few more stories i'd like to get to all right we're going to have more here on the bob harden show on the bob harden broadcasting network <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, You'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I just want to remind you of the Optima Foundation's Education Freedom Gala. It's coming up on Sunday evening, March the 26th. Starts at 6 p.m. It's happening at the Ritz-Carlton at Naples Timberon. And it's going to be a terrific event uh, to raise money <clears throat> for uh, charter schools and uh, school choice. In fact, the special gate, uh, guest of the night is going to be Craig Gutfeld. So I hope you'll check out uh, the gala. It's uh, Go to Optima.Foundation, Optima.Foundation. Click on events to, to get the full scoop on uh, what's happening. It's going to be a terrific evening on Sunday, March 26th. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, again, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, again, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. 
Good to be here, Bob. So, Andy, uh, uh, the president is going to open up some drilling in Alaska. It's called the Willow Project. What are your thoughts? Well, it's another one of these things in American life where we know what is happening, but we have to really challenge why it's happening. And I think that's that's true of the Willow Project. I mean, he's uh, opening up uh, the National Petroleum Reserve in Alaska, 23 million acres uh, for for uh, oil exploration. At the same time, he's uh, blocking or preventing future oil and gas development in 16 million acres of Alaska. I think Biden has made a calculated uh, risk in terms of vote gathering that he will gain far, far more by appearing to take a moderate stance on fossil fuels and hence on climate change, uh, then he would lose. He knows he's going to hold on to the environmental radical vote no matter what happens. So I think this is a calculated move by, uh, by, uh, by Biden to do something without making it uh, more extreme than even the environmentalists can tolerate. Mm -hmm. So I think we're looking at this. Um, I, I hate to be so cynical, but I think we're, I, I find it difficult to believe that uh, Biden would all of a sudden find the wisdom and the necessity of, uh, of exploring for, for oil and gas, Bob. Yeah, well, maybe he's found himself too politically so far to the left that he, he realizes that he needs to uh, scooch over a little bit to the right just to uh, appease uh, voters. Well, I think I think that's what we're seeing, and I, I certainly I can't lament the fact that anything positive is happening in that direction. Right, uh, and yet uh, it it would it seems to me only definable as a as a vote harvesting measure, as you were suggesting, Bob. So, and, and by the way, that doesn't make it wrong in itself because no. most political actions or many political actions are done only for that reason. So uh, I'm not trying to negate its value because of it. Uh, on the other hand, I think if we look at uh, the future uh, under a second Biden administration, God forbid, uh, I think all of this is going to go in the other direction, Bob. I agree. And I, uh, quite frankly, I would like to know how the oil companies feel about it. It'd be interesting to get their point of view on this and uh, what they would like to see in, in order to make have true development occur uh, for uh, making us energy independent. Well, I'm not sure my wording is correct on this, but I know ConocoPhillips had uh, applied for five drilling permits. That may not be the right terminology. Uh, they were only given three, so uh, he's, al he's already um, uh, uh, sort of moving it back a bit in terms of its, of its intensity. The environmental groups are, are lamenting this, as I, as I alluded to before. Uh, but again, I, I have to give it a plus in terms of uh, Biden's willingness to do it, regardless of reason, Bob. You know, when you take a step back and you think about the, what's causing all of this, well, it's, it's this whole issue of climate change. I wonder if you have any thoughts on, on that, uh, on, on what's going on. Well, I, I do. I just, as I mentioned to you, I just finished reading a, an excellent book uh, by Stephen Einhorn. Uh, and I've read most of the book, let's say many of the books, uh, on the issue of climate change. This one by Stephen Einhorn uh, called Climate Change, What They Really Teach in College, is the best that I've seen in this area. Hmm. He covers every single topic. Not only does he give the rebuttal, but he states without comment the the original position that is lamenting climate change. So he pre presents both. He essentially uh, lets you make your choice. Obviously, he is, I think, uh, I think someone from the uh, environmental side would say he is uh, heavy-handed in terms of attacking uh, the issues surrounding climate change. And yet, that is something that can only be drawn from the realities that Einhorn presents. Uh, and again, I think if there's one book your audience wants to read 
that really lays this out in terms that can be understood. It is Stephen Einhorn's climate change, what they rarely teach in college. Well, thank you for that referral. I, I'll also mention a book. Of, I have a uh, an author on my show every week. Uh, Larry Bell is a dad professor at the University of Houston Space Architecture. And he's a brilliant man. Uh, one of his previous books that he wrote is uh, Scared Witless, The Profits and Profits of Climate Doom or Climate Change. And I, I had read that at your recommendation several years ago. It's an excellent book, uh, just beautifully done. Um, I'm not going to say that Einhorn book is better. Uh, I just think it makes the information perhaps a bit more available to the to the lay reader. That's that's all I would say. But there's absolutely nothing negative that I could say about Larry Bell's Well, book. I didn't realize that you'd read the book, so well, thank you for that. Uh, but the point being is that uh, basically there's there is a uh, this is this is a scheme that's not supported by science. Unfortunately, it's just like the CDC and, so, and the other things that have been weaponized now in the United States government. It's really a shame that we're wasting so much money on a cause that's so unfit for for uh, our investments. Well, you know, I think we can make uh, I can make the statement at least that there are three uh, major things that are that are affecting uh, America in all of its sectors. Uh, first of all, we, we certainly have identity politics. That's both gender and racial, a uh, great uh, source of manipulation. Yeah. Uh, we have, of course, political corruption. There's no doubt about it. We've, we've seen that in abundance during the Biden administration. But I think the other great manipulator is climate change. We're seeing that impacting in all sectors of our, of our economy, our investments, uh, our, our, um, our relationships with, with uh, foreign nations and so forth. So those three things, yeah. um, the uh, identity politics, uh, climate change, and uh, political corruption, those three elements, if we could get those three under control and deal with them in reality, identify corruption in reality, and identify the other two uh, factually, I think we could undo most of America's problems, Bob. Uh, interesting observation. Uh, well, and before I let you go, I want to get, get your thoughts on uh, Trump now. Is, uh, I guess he's going to end up in court. <laughs> I, I, I have no idea, but to me it would be a... Uh, personally, I won't even tell you what my, my reaction would be. It would be too extreme. <laughs> but uh, I think it would be such an outrage to watch this great man put into a yellow, uh, an orange jumpsuit and, uh, and imprisoned with shackles. I just, I don't know if emotionally I could, I could deal with that. I think there are tens and dozens of millions of Americans that would, would react in a very, very dramatic manner. Well, and, and all that in the face of all the evidence demonstrating that Hunter Biden and, and Joe Biden and Jim Biden, all these these folks are, have, are, are stealing us blind in terms of selling uh, influence around the world. Well, again, just that story of the three million being distributed by China uh, to Biden family members, including a new one that hasn't even been cited before, is just is just uh, outrageous. Uh, the press, the media, has almost no interest in it whatsoever. And yet, if you go online and research the Stormy Daniel Trump story, I mean, you're going to go eight or nine pages deep in uh, in citations before you get to anything that would challenge it, Bob. Exactly. Again, Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, Andy and. Enjoy your commentary so much here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you, Bob. My pleasure indeed. 
Well, that's a wrap here on today's uh, show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. We have some terrific guests for tomorrow's show, including Keith Flaw, the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Michael Cannon is the director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, and the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be joining us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, Tell your friends. Uh, let them know because that's one of the ways we can support our sponsors. Can't do the show without them. So I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>